0: Welcome to the Foster and Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together as a community we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. Well, you know, it's hard to believe we are in another episode of Fostering Change. And I have to tell you, I have been very lucky to have some amazing guests. We have talked about some things that I think we all need to be talking about. But are my next two guests, I was absolutely excited when I saw my calendar, not only because I was able to meet them a while back, but for exactly what they do. Um, Nicole Britton is the Director of Development for the TWIG, and Lindsay May is, our, is the Program Coordinator of the TWIG. Now, before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about the twig. You know, as a kid who grew up in the system, you know, going to Goodwill and, you know, wearing the torn and tattered clothes wasn't anything out of the unusual. The children that I have seen throughout the system, um, I'm a blunt guy and I will tell you, the majority of the kids that I have been able to meet, the majority of the kids who have even entered my home, have always came in wearing nothing what I considered more than torn and tattered items of clothing. I've. Always wondered to myself is that children enter the system because of a choice that someone else made. Remember that. A choice that someone else made. Why can we not choose to give them something to make them proud of themselves? And I know that our proudness comes from within, but it also is shown by our shield. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to introduce you both to my friend Nicole and Lindsay from the Twig. Good afternoon, ladies.
1: Hi, Hi.
0: So I will tell you, I, um, I'm i going to tell everybody the full story because I'm going to say it like it is. I was actually introduced to both of you when I was in an event in Florida. Someone had told me about your um, store and immediately I did what I do quite often, which is I said, yeah, right. I said, I've seen these quote rainbow rooms. I've seen these foster rooms and I said and I have not really really been impressed I will have to tell you I take that back there's one in Alabama that the woman who does that her name is Brittany she just blows my mind with hers so when I pulled up into the parking lot I was not expecting what I saw Okay. And I would like for you to start with number one, which one of you wants to take the lead? But I want to know, how did you come up with the concept of the twig?
1: Yeah. So our founders, Diane and Lloyd Weed, they adopted their youngest daughter out of the foster care system when she was just a baby. And when she got older and was a teenager and you're buying all those things that you buy for teenagers, Diane started to think, gosh, what if we didn't adopt her? What if she was still in foster care today? Who would be first of all, buying these clothes for her, but also who would be pouring into her life, who would be encouraging her, who would be giving her support. And like you said, Rob, she kind of looked around and she saw the foster care clothing closets that are around and there's not much dignity in those. So that was the big thing for her. She wanted to create a space where these kids felt proud to shop. They felt dignity. They felt like they had the options to choose what they liked to cover their bodies. And that's really where the twig came from. She just, in her mind envision this wonderful place where kids would be loved on and be able to also have their needs met.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, first of all, I love what you just said. Who's going to pour into her? I'm going to have to remember that because it is so true. And as she looked around, as we all look around at children who are in the foster care system, for some reason, one, there's no accountability when it comes to kids who are in the system. I know in my state, for instance, there is a clothing allowance, but I have never, ever, ever met a foster parent who has ever told me that someone asked to see a receipt where they spent that money yet. And I see that the kids wear most times shoes that do not fit, you know, that is a big thing. But when I walked into your store, you know, I literally, and I'm not, guys, I'm not exaggerating this for those that are listening, or if you're watching on our YouTube channel, I literally felt like I was walking into a high-end kid's clothing store. I mean, it was bright. Okay. That was so amazing. There were tags, on the items and by the way I know that not everything in there is new but I would have never known that I would have never ever ever known that every single item in that store was was new but what I thought was so amazing was the wall and I know you know Lindsay exactly what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. but you guys have a wall inside of your stores and can you tell our listeners and our viewers about the wall
2: So the wall stands for the family that the Twig has. And so just as, you know, I'm looking at our, we have pictures of our family and friends in our own home and our office, the kids that come into the store are truly part of the Twig family. And so when they shop with us, their name goes on the wall. And that's the way we tell them that you are a part of this family. You are a part of the Twig. You are why we are here. And the neat thing is, it's just like every time these kids, they know their name is here and they find it and they see it. And then every month, it's almost like it's not moving but they just double check to make sure it's there. And so our wall in Venice has expanded to over like, four walls. And then our wall in our Manatee store, it is growing. And every time that we add, write a name on there, it's just adding another, um, it's adding another child to, to the Twig family. And they are truly just a part of, of what we do.
0: You know, so much of what I felt as I walked around that store, you know, looking at the new tennis shoes that you have in the whole shoe department, which I thought was so cool, you know, that someone didn't have to go through a basket to try to find their site. I mean, it literally was like I was in a shoe store, you know, and then the way you have everything so, so lined up and as if you were in a department store. You started in 2017 is when your founder started this, you know, started the twig. Where was your first twig?
1: So it actually was 2016 and it was in Venice, which is where I am. I'm at the Venice Twig right now. And we opened our second location in Bradenton, Florida, which is where Lindsay is right now, just last summer. So that one's been open for one year.
0: So I've been in the one, Lindsay, where you're at, and my <laughs> operations manager, Alex, she's been in the one in Venice. And so her and I love to talk about the Twig. And by the way, everybody, for those who are listening and watching, Comfort Cases is actually a huge supporter of the Twig. So we are very, very lucky that we have partners you know, like Mattel and you know World Market, and there's so many items that we get. And the first person we think about when they cannot go within our cases is we think about our partners, the Twig and so you know i absolutely love that lindsay you actually were a social worker i am yep so you actually got to see firsthand children who you know were carrying trash bags um, <laughs> and were coming in with the torn and tattered clothes if they had anything is that something that really pushed you to do what you're doing today
2: it is i want to be a part of change and i actually you know when i was front lines and working in social work i took clients to the twig because I would see that they needed something. And again, as a social worker and as foster parents, the money is not always there. But these kids, as Nicole said, they deserve so much. It's not by a choice that they're in the position that they're in. And they deserve to have anything any other child would have. I wanted to be a part of change. I wanted to step into something that really provided and stepped in the gap of where child welfare has. And so that's the fun thing about being a part of the TWIC is that I get to see kids walk in, and I've had kids that have walked in in pajamas, (laughs) and I'm a foster mom who literally had them brought the night before, and they showed up in their pajamas, and so they left here in full outfits with, with shoes and with undergarments and with toothbrushes and hygiene products, and they left in full outfits to get them through a few days, and then they come back in the next month, and they remember what they got, and they want to They want more stuff. And they just, the nice thing is, is that when they step into our store, the smiles on our faces and our founder, she actually filled in for me a couple of weeks ago and she had a little girl that walked in our store and she just lit up. She was just so excited to be here. And she just was like, so giddy. She was just shaking, going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And it truly is an experience, and so that's not something a lot of kids who experience a removal or a trauma or, a, or abuse or neglect get to experience something that is so much fun. So yes, I am thrilled to be a part of this, and it's definitely why I've stepped into this into this realm.
0: Well, you know what, Um, I I tell the story in my memoir and I talk about it quite often about, you know, the night when my daughter arrived, she was four years old. And by the way, she's going to be 18 this Friday. She was four years old when she arrived. And I remember um, it was the happiest day of my life. I was a dad and it's something that I always wanted to be. But the thing that I noticed is that as I started to pull items, my husband and I out of her trash bag and saw that, you know, the pair of pajamas that she had in that bag they were the kind with the feet in them and they had been worn so much by another child that you literally could see through them they were transparent and I remember my husband saying to me we're heading to Target. We're gonna go shop. And and so we we loaded up Makai and Amaya and and we went to to Target and we didn't have one cart, but we had two, and we were just filling it with stuff. And and I remember looking at my daughter and thinking to myself, she's never gonna smile. She's you know the saddest little girl. We were her third placement. And we got home that night and she got in the tub, and you know, she had this beautiful little brown face out of all these bubbles, and she gets out of the tub and she She goes into her bedroom and there my husband had laid three nightgowns and she literally walked over she picked one of them up and she tore the tag off and she turned around and she smiled at me and I said Amaya why are you smiling and she said Mr. Rob I've never owned a new nightgown before so the story that you said of that little girl I've lived it you know I have seen my children light up because of something of a tag just something like, you know, as a tag. Nicole, you're a mom. I mean, you have a house full of kids, you know, you know, and you still find it within your heart to be the director of development for this organization. What draws you as someone, you know, who has a home full of kids to, to make sure, and by the way, you know, guys, I want you to visit you got to visit their website. You got to help us out here because I want the donations just pouring in. But by the way, do not go to your basement and clean out your junk. We don't want that. Okay. So we'll get to that on the second part of this, but Nicole, I want you to tell me what draws you to the twig.
1: Sure. So I was very blessed to actually be the first full-time employee. I was working in the insurance industry and felt, you know, I would have four kids. I, um, really just felt this heart for kids in foster care. So I started volunteering with the TWIG when they very first opened, serving on a fundraising committee and as a personal shopper with the kiddos. And then I was very blessed to have been given the very first full-time employee job. And then I, you know, I worked here for a few years and I still kept feeling the tug on my heart. So my husband and I became licensed to foster as well. So I've had the opportunity to see the TWIG from a volunteer perspective, an employee perspective, and as a foster. Wrong. So yeah, we have four biological kids. And currently we have two foster placements. So our house is very busy. Oh
0: my gosh, six kids. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. Take it from a dad of five. um, You know, I, first of all, I don't know how you do it. So I have to tell you, I'm very, very lucky. I have a stay-at-home husband. And so I'm able to do what I need to do because I could not imagine both of them. Listen, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. Again, I have said this time and time again, how do we become Good humans is by lifting other humans up and by helping children. That's an investment in your future, my friend. It's an investment in your future. And we will be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit ComfortCases.org. Well, you all know that I love a good conversation, but what I love the most is when you're actually able to support other organizations, okay? Um, That is something that I really think we all need to do. You know, I remind people that when children do enter the system, the majority of kids are given a trash bag. The majority of kids are taken out of situations where they don't have time to gather their clothing. They're taken out of the situation so they will be safe. Um, And then social workers are doing everything in their power to make sure that they give them something. Well, you know, in Florida, they've actually changed that up. You know, there's actually two places in Florida that have opened up the most amazing store, which is, I, you've heard me talk, it's called The Twig. And I'm very, very lucky to have Nicole, um, who is the Director of Development, and Lindsay, who's the Program Coordinator, here with me today. And as we were just talking about the faces that we see kids, um, you know, I'd like to talk about how people can give involved, because I'm going to tell you something. Um, I know for a fact that people that listen to our show, and actually, um, if you're listening, the First Lady of North Carolina absolutely loves our organization. They need this there, okay? I want to see other places in throughout our country duplicate, and I mean literally duplicate. I'm not saying let's do what they already did, because I'm going to tell you something. We already know it doesn't work. Duplicate what you are doing. Because when you said to me earlier, Nicole, it's about dignity. You know, we talk about that at Comfort Cases, giving hope and dignity. This is truly giving dignity to a child. So first, my first question is, Lindsay, how often do kids, can kids come to the Twig to shop?
2: They can come on a monthly basis. And one of the ways in which they even hear about us is new placement appointments. So uh, within 24 hours, 48 hours of the child entering a home, we offer up a chance for them to come in and get get going on this, on on what they need. So that makes sure they're not having a gap in their clothing so they can go to summer camp, they can go to school, they can have uh, clean underwear and pajamas and stuff like that. But then on a monthly basis, they can come into our store, get seven items of clothing, that includes a pair of shoes, socks and underwear do not count towards that. Every month, we have bonus items that they get to choose from. And as always, we always uh, want them to take books. So we have a large book selection, too. So on average, a kid walks out of our store carrying anywhere between 10 to 12 items out in their bag. And we, again, you're talking about trash bags. We're very diligent and intentional. Our kids get a brown uh, gift bag with tissue paper with their name on it. And we wanna make sure that they understand it is our gift to them, that it truly is a pleasure for them to be a part of the Twig and that to come into our store.
0: Wow, I love that. I mean, that's quite a few items, by the way. I mean, that is a lot of items. And the fact that, as like I said, I've seen your store, my operations manager has seen your other store, and it is like walking into a department store like that. Mm -hmm. You know, Nicole, one of the things with having a, for us having a nonprofit and and for you having the Twig Cares is actually donations, you know, and, you know, getting people to donate. Um, I know that I hear you have an Amazon wish list.
1: We do. Yeah. So on our website, which is the twigcares.com, there's a tab that says wishlist and there's a link to our Amazon spot where we list all of our biggest needs on there. So anybody can go on there, purchase things off of our wishlist um, and have it sent directly to us. It's a great way to help us fill the gaps. Um, We do have people who are local that donate stuff. And then we go out and we have to shop a lot of times to fill the gaps. We want Every kid who walks in to find items that fit them physically, but also fit their unique personalities. So it's really important that we have a huge variety of items. And um, by our donors supporting us through our Amazon wish list and financial donations, that's how we make that happen.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Listen, everybody, this is your takeaway. You know, um, number one, when you said to me about, you know. Who's going to fill her up? I keep thinking about that. And I keep thinking about how we all can fill the twig, you know, and Nicole, just like you said, I mean, all kids come in different sizes, they come in different likes, you know, and it's so awesome that you have an Amazon wish list. But I know that, you know, people donating, you know, a lot of people don't have time, they think they can't go to the Amazon wish list, but they can send you guys money to be able to give you the opportunity to go out and shop you know how if I'm in in those areas, let's say I live in the, the Venice Beach area. Um, I, do I, is there volunteer opportunities?
1: Yeah, so we actually have about 150 trained volunteers between our two locations. They serve um, in a few different ways. One is through sorting those donations because we do accept very gently used donations, but we have high quality standards. So they do spend a lot of time sorting through those donations. They also serve as um, our inventory crew stocking the store. And then we have volunteers who are personal shoppers who get to hang out with the kids when they come into shop, help them find items that they love and really be those adults that are pouring support into these kiddos.
0: I absolutely love that. Now, when I was in the other store, you also have a training room. We do. Tell me about that because that was like I was like I said I was expecting I walk into this place I was and I I was not expecting to see things on racks. I was not expecting it to look like those shoe department. I was not expecting the jewelry to be like the jewelry was laid out. I was not expecting the undergarments for the young ladies to be displayed in such a humane way and not just put in a box which by the way I've been to those places where they're all just in a brown box. So I was just expecting that but then on top of it, you had this training room that you use.
2: We do. Um, Right now, it's actually, there's multiple things in which we hope to use it for, but right now we meet with uh, youth ages 18 to 23 once a month, and we're trying to bridge that gap between those kids that age out of the system and who may or may not choose to remain part of the opportunities that the child welfare has for them, but we want to keep them connected to us, so we have them come into our store, it's the first Thursday of every month from 6 to 8 p.m., we have a speaker, that's a topic that they have chosen, that's interesting to them, so we've had some financial speakers, last month, we or this month, we had a car maintenance, and so they actually were looking at the cars under the hood, giving them routine car maintenance help, um, and then they get to have dinner with us, and then they also get to shop. So it's a chance for them, again, even those kids who are 18 plus to still be a part of something and just still let them, let them know that there's a lot of people out there that care about them. And we want to support them even past that 18 because the reality is, 18, I have several that are over the age of 18 and they're not ready to be on their own and they need to have that support. They need to know that they can reach out and that we're here to also walk through them as they navigate life. But it's also an opportunity for different licensing agencies, different um, other nonprofits for them to meet. And it gives exposure to what the TWIG is, what we're about, but also just trying to spread awareness of who and what we are to different organizations that can also use that space.
0: Well, you know, um, anyone who knows me knows that I have a weak spot when it comes to the older kids um, in the system. I think these are close to 30,000 children that are the forgotten children who we literally allow them to age out of a system that has not prepared them. You know, my son is 21. He arrived at the age of 18 and, you know, he was having dinner with his dad and I the other night and he he just finished his sophomore year in college and he said, pops, he says, I I don't know where I'd be right now if, you know, when I aged out, if I didn't have you and Dada. And it's like, you know, so knowing that you are doing that, knowing that you're giving them that, that portion of hope. And by the way, I want people who are listening today and watching to, to understand what Lindsay said, you know, she said that the children um, don't want to be a part of the system any longer. So, so let's realize that in every state it's different. And, children by the time they're 18 because we haven't given them the support like the twig gives them that we have not let them know that they are loved by a community that by the time they're 18 years old the only thing they can think of is that escape how do I get that so far away from all of this that has just caused me so much trauma and that's why they they step away and and you know I love the fact that you open up that door from that 18 over because as you said those kids still need you know they they still need help um you know i, I i'm gonna end this with I have, a, I have a question to ask each one of you so i want you to think about this you know nicole if there was one thing that you could change one thing that you could change especially you being a a, a mother who has fostered and you know seen from beginning but if there's one thing you could change within our system what would that be
1: Oh, that's a big question, (laughs) if I'm going to be completely honest. We need better support of our community-based care companies, agencies that are putting these kids in foster care, supporting those case managers. Um, We see case manager turnaround is we, we go through so many case managers. The work that they do is hard, um, but as foster families, we need great case managers to support us and what we're doing. So overall support in general, more funding we can get for our agencies so that they can properly pay their case managers so they can do their job well, I think trickles down. That makes a big effect on the foster families and on the kids that are in their care. These kids have no stability. So when you're talking about changeover of case managers constantly, it's kids just thinking oh there's another adult that's come and gone from my life right so if we can have some consistency with that it would be huge I i
0: love that answer i love that answer because that is so true what you said you know number one it starts with funding it is absolutely unbelievably ridiculous that the most valuable valuable thing that's in this world is our children And so for us not to invest in these children, and and I've said it all the time, you know, social workers are the most underpaid, underappreciated, and you wonder why the turnover, and then you look at foster parents, and the good foster parents they have, which you and I both, Nicole, they're not all good, but the good ones you have, the turnover so much because they don't have the support. And that's when I think we need to start looking at our community. We need to start looking at our faith-based organizations and saying it's time to step up and support these families? I love that answer. Lindsay, as a social worker, you know, you, you've you been in the trenches. You know, if there's one thing that you could change within our system, what would that be?
2: I'm going to go with perception on multiple parts, because I did not step into the world of social work for money. I stepped into it because I have a heart for working with not only children, but families. I truly believe that people can change. And I know that sometimes things happen in people's lives that lead them down a road that they did not expect and they need a chance. But I really look at, I would see different walks of life walk through my staffing room doors and they could do it. And I think that you know, social workers, investigators, foster parents, we, we do not get into this for the money. We are not trying, we do not wanna take people's children. We want families to be together. We want children to be safe. We want to do all that we can to provide that safety, to provide that support. And I think sometimes the perception is is what, you know, and I get it. People put their guard up when they see a social worker, they see an investigator, or they hear the word foster care. I would love for more than anything for the word foster to not create this, like, this horrible sense of just a bad word, but really take it back to the true meaning of what it was. And it was for people to step in when families needed help. And to allow there to be a chance for change and a chance to create a way in which kids and families can live a very healthy and productive life and a safe life. So that would be where I would go.
0: (laughs) First of all, I love your answer. Perception is something that I talk about quite often. I wish we would stop using the word foster, understand that first we should use the word children because these are children. And we also have to understand it's every single one of us, every single one of us, we all fall once in our lives you know, and it's who is there to pick us up. I do not believe that foster care is the answer. I believe that the system needs to be completely dismantled. I believe that we as a society have to put something in place that is actually empowering families because look at the statistics over 64 percent is the word neglect to me that's no more than poverty you know we need to pay a living wage we need to be there for when people fall we need to try to do everything we can to keep that family intact and by the way i know i'm going to get the emails i know i'm going to get the text i know i'm going to get all the, the social media posts about what am i talking about i'm telling you what i'm talking about We see the trauma these kids go through, and the majority of that trauma is because of the time they spent in the system, in the system. And so we need to change that. And the perspective is not every parent is a bad parent. Okay. The fact is, is that every parent deserves to have support. And maybe we need to pay a living wage in that first thing. Because that's the thing, you know, I'm not going to get on my bandwagon about this, but I don't understand how we pay foster parents, but we cannot give a stipend to a parent who's not able to put food on the table. But instead, we want to take their children and give them to strangers. So we're going to have that conversation another day. friends you just watch and see listen i cannot thank you two enough i can't thank you enough for opening the doors of the twig it truly changed how i really felt about it i wish that the twig opens up in every county every state i wish people would look at your model to your founder and realize it's about giving dignity listen everyone you really want to do something today Don't go to the overpriced coffee shop that you know we all visit once a week and go to the twigcares.com and make a donation. Get something on their wish list. You know, change the life of a child and do me a big favor. Put that smile on that I always talk about Amaya having. I hope you all have a great day and continue to be a good human. Take care. Thank you. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of fostering change all of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human now just a reminder that you can always find fostering change on your favorite channels on google spotify itunes youtube and others including of course comfortcases.org I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.